world. If you want to put yourselves on mute, that will be absolutely lovely. Good morning to everybody. Well done for joining us. Thank you. Uh, our prayer meeting is on Zoom on Wednesday from eight o'clock. It's going to be lots of interaction. Remember, we don't have much interaction on a Sunday, but lots on Wednesday as we have the prayer meeting together. It'll be good to see you there if you can make it. Spring Harvest is online again this year, focusing on unrivaled. You couldn't say that last week, eh? No, thanks very much for reminding me. That's lovely. I do like Jill's little add-ons there that we don't rehearse. Unrivaled. Why we worship. I thought you were going to do that bit. No, I, I was so, so let's do that. Spring Harvest is online again this year. I bet you knew that. Focusing on... Unrivaled. Why we worship. Thank you. Oh, thank you, everyone. Um, it's going to be live 4th to the 8th of April. There's lots of details on the Spring Harvest site about it. The tickets need to be paid for this year, not like last year. But there's lots of details there. I can tell you more if you need to know. Easter is one. Uh, Easter Sunday is one week away now. And as you know, there's a different Zoom link and phone number to uh, normal. These are the leaflets. I've got another 200 to deliver. So if anyone wants to help me do that, that would be smashing. Thank you very much. It's got the link on them and the phone link does work. Margaret and I had a joyful time this week making sure it worked and it did. So that's all marvellous and brilliant. Next week, we are taking communion as well. So I'll remind you later in the week about that anyway. But yeah, remember, different link next week. So you don't need to be saying, oh, why is it not working? Because next week won't work if you come on the normal link. But the new Zoom will because we want other people to join us, hopefully. We're going to have breakout rooms at the end. So stop and chat with anyone if you want to. And Fiona's leading us this morning. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, John. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Fiona. Today is Palm Sunday. And um, I've chosen a couple of songs to start, which were on my heart from quite a long time ago for Palm Sunday. I was thinking about, well, lots of things. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that horrible feeling you used to get the day before something difficult was going to happen, like the day before an exam or um, maybe your driving test or before an operation or that horrible hanging over you feeling. Sometimes you get it and you can't think what it is and you have to sort of think what it is that's bothering you. And I thought that Jesus was a fully man as well as fully God. And he knew what was coming when he drove, rode through uh, the streets and people were all excited and cheering. But he pressed on. He was determined, despite knowing what was coming, to obey and to do what he needed to do. And I just thought that we're in a time at the moment where we're having to press on. We're having to be determined. All sorts of different things in each of our lives that are different, that we're having to be determined about. Um, Jesus knows what it's like. He's, he lived through that. He knows how difficult it is, but there is better, better things coming. That, that's, you know, we hang on to that. 
I just want to read from um, Philippians, which sort of says it better than I do, of course. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And really, I just wanted to encourage you all to keep hanging on, keep going, keep being determined, press on, and Jesus knows exactly how you feel. And if you just take these words in as we sing these next two songs, I hope they bless you.
morning, Robert. Good morning, John. Is everyone right, happy? Uh, read. Our reading this morning is taken from Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone said anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Good morning. There are lots of ways of reading scripture. I quite like the very fine way, looking at a particular word, the tense of a word, getting down to those very fine details, which often can give a lot of meaning. The other way, which is just as important, and which I'm even more fond of, is looking at the big, big picture, standing as far back as you can from a story or a teaching and seeing what the overall big picture is like. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We've looked at the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on what we know to be the Easter week. Now, the disciples at the time did not know this. They just knew that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. This event happened just after the resurrection of Lazarus. And the scriptures show us that this was quite well known. That there were quite a lot of people who knew this, recognized this, and came out to meet Jesus because of this. We might also add that this story is in all four of the Gospels. So the lessons that are there are ones that Jesus wants us to know about. So let's put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples for a moment. They're welcoming Jesus. He's coming into Jerusalem. The crowds know about Lazarus. Maybe Lazarus was there and his family was there. They're all expecting something to happen. That Jesus is coming in to the seat of power. They all have an expectation. What that expectation was not was that Jesus would be dead within a few days. That was not what they were expecting. So I'd like to ask ourselves to play just a few mind games now. And ask ourselves, look at the big, big picture, stand way back and ask, could it have happened differently? At the moment, 
it's still accepted that Christianity is the largest world religion, certainly the largest organised world religion. And that came about after Jesus sent 12 or 11 or however you want to count the number of people into the world after just one week's ministry after he came to Jerusalem or a couple of years ministry overall. What would have happened if things had been done differently? What would have happened if instead of coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and dying one week later, Jesus had gathered around him some of the best minds of the day. Now we know that Saul was around at that time, but there are maybe other people who were equally good or gifted. Let's let our minds stretch a bit. Suppose Jesus had gathered around himself people of the caliber of Confucius or Aristotle or Kant or Hume or any of your favorite philosophers. And he had them around him for say 10 years and he taught them there in Jerusalem. After that period, he still could have died for the sins of the world. He still could have rose again and he could have sent these people out into the world to train and to teach. And so all the great theological questions of the world would have come out with these people having been taught, or people of this calibre, having been taught by Jesus. I put it to you that the Christian history would have been a lot different. Things would have been very different. So we ask ourselves, why not? Why didn't this happen? The answer is very simple. Um, because God did not do it that way is the only answer I have. God did not choose that to happen the way that it did. God chose it to happen the way that it did. This meant that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, it was on his mind. It was not teaching. Local church service. Here, mate. Is it? No, no, no. Here's the boy. Hello. Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Robert. Robert. Hello, John. Uh, can you put yourself on mute again, please? We put you we put you on mute, but it's come off. So it's just that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My fault. No problem. That's okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. A ten years, and he taught them there in Jerusalem. After that period, he still could have died for the sins of the world. He still could have rose again. And he could have sent these people out into the world to train and to teach. And so all the great theological questions of the world would have come out with these people having been taught, or people of this calibre, having been taught by Jesus. I put it to you that the Christian history would have been a lot different. Things would have been very different. So we ask ourselves, why not? Why didn't this happen? The answer is very simple. Um, because God did not do it that way is the only answer I have. God did not choose that to happen the way that it did. God chose it to happen the way that it did. 
This meant that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, what was on his mind? It was not teaching or training. It wasn't about preparing people. There was something else on Jesus' mind when he came into Jerusalem. He came to Jerusalem to die. And he could have died at any time, but that was the time that God chose for him to die. This raises an issue for us, too. Dying here was as much part of his ministry as his living. We say that we live by faith. What does our faith mean? When Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what he was actually saying was this. Look at me. Think of all the things I could do now. Think of the way things could be. But they're not going to be like that. I'm coming and I choose to die. He was making a point about the importance of death. Death is not the end. Death is, in fact, for Jesus, the beginning. It's an interesting thought that what we mean by life is defined by death. Anything today we say is living is defined by the fact that it will die. So my death is much a part of my living as my life. Now, this is an attitude that needs a great deal of faith to understand. It means that our living is just that part of our life which precedes our death. It means that death is not something to be feared, not something to uh, be frightened of or shy away from. Sure, it's not easy and it's not pleasant. Jesus showed that on the cross. But the way we respond to our own death and our own concept of death actually shows our faith. The extent of our faith is portrayed by our attitude to our death. Now, I'm not at this moment suggesting we all run around and play uh, dangerous games and fall off cliffs and do things like that. That's not what I mean. What I mean is how we perceive our dying displays how we perceive God, how we perceive our faith, and how we perceive our purpose to being. Think of what Jesus could have done after he entered Jerusalem. And then think of what he did. He went to die. He went to show us the death is not the end. He went to show us that death is not to be feared. He went to die in a most difficult and unpleasant way so that any of us dying can identify with him. And in his death, he declares his resurrection. 
my uh, natural reaction there was to say thank you, Nick, but I don't think he's here. Um, but thank you, Nick, for recording that. A um, couple of things came out from me there that link to what I was saying, that God knows what's going on in your life. He's chosen the way it should be. Um, and there's a purpose to it that is to glorify him. And we won't necessarily understand that. What I wanted us to do next was to identify with the crowds that were shouting Hosanna as he was coming in. But if you like to put ourselves in a different place in that we know what the end of the story was. So we aren't going to change our minds tomorrow and say crucify him. Um, so these these two songs really are are saying that. I think.
Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we lift up your name with our hearts full of praise. shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? That's probably a quote from a hymn, an ancient hymn. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. Now, it is true to say that for us, death is a much more distant reality in our society, much less so in their day, where death was always just around the corner and, and uh, almost a weekly event. So they, the challenge for the early church to interface with this difficulty of Am I alive? What is the purpose of my life? Was much more prevalent to them. It was much real and closer to them. Consequently, I suspect that they, they had less of a fear of death than we do. But nevertheless, the way you face death was shown by your faith. 
in, in, in God by your faith in what was happening afterwards, your faith in what you believed God or Christ had done for you. Let's read from Hebrews 11, uh, the famous verses, verses 1 and 2. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So often, faith is portrayed as, I believe that God has told me something in faith, therefore I'm going to sit here until God does it. That's actually the opposite to what this verse means. It says here, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. If God has promised you something, uh, you don't continue to strive for it because it's been given. You just wait for God to give it to you because he has said he will give it to you. There's no striving in faith. It's the receiving of what God has done. Let's continue. For by faith, our ancestors were proved. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what was seen has been made from things that are not visible. This is a great verse. If you were to slightly change the wording there, by faith we understand that the universe was created uh, by something we don't know what, so that what is seen has been made from the things that are not visible. We actually have an entry into quantum mechanics and to present day physics. Things haven't changed a lot. Another interesting aside, I, I love Romans uh, 1, verses 19 to 20, and I'll read them. Uh, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. Let me read that again. His invisible attributes have been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. In other words, honest science shows us God because God is seen in the things that have been made. Hence, I love that verse we've just read because it's just a repetition of what we know today. By faith, we understand that the universe was created or the universe is there, whatever phrase you want to put in there, so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. Yeah, science has moved us on a lot, but not a lot when it comes to understanding what our life is about, what our death is about, what our purpose is about, and how we live. This is, an, this is, is shown by our faith. It's shown by our confidence in God. It's shown by how much we trust what God has shown us and what God has revealed to us. We carry on reading in Hebrews. We, we have uh, a long list of uh, great men and women who lived by faith. And it's interesting to see that they're not always what we might say as so worthy as you might perceive. It wasn't always their deeds that they were recommended for, but it is their faith that they are recommended for. So here is the challenge to us. Um, it's our faith. At the end of uh, Hebrews 12, the writer says this, Therefore, we also have such a large cloud of witness surrounding us. Let us lay aside every weight of sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, 
keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. So don't read that as for the joy that he received went on and endured the cross. No, the joy that lay before him comes after he has endured the cross. So when Jesus on Palm Sunday enters Jerusalem, he is thinking of the joy that lays before him that follows the events of the cross. And my mind goes to Psalm 22. That is a wonderful, wonderful psalm. When on the cross, Jesus quotes Psalm 22. We need to read that psalm very carefully. It starts off, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the psalm. That's the name of the psalm. The end of the psalm says, surely God has done it. And Psalm 22 is about a person in an impossible situation. And it ends with God was victorious. And what Jesus was saying on the Psalm 22 on the cross was, you think it's all over, but it's not. I'm going to rise again. When Jesus walks into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, this is his purpose. He is coming to shame death. He's coming to end death. He's coming to bring faith into the foremost position of, of our, all our lives. Not faith to live only, but faith also to face death. Faith that puts him on a cross. Faith that has the writer of Hebrews saying, for the joy that lay before him, he endures the cross, the joy coming after the cross. This is the picture of death that Jesus has on Palm Sunday. This is what is on his mind as he enters Jerusalem. Think of all the ways this could have ended. The mythical 10-year University of Faith that I have proposed God could have done. No, he did nothing of that. God brings Jesus to Jerusalem to die for the faith that lay before him. And this only makes sense if you see this as faith. And our lives only make sense if we see it through the lens of faith. And not just our lives, but our deaths also are a way of showing our faith in God.
cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on pray together. We thank you Lord for your attitude as you entered Jerusalem a few days before your crucifixion. We praise you that just as you are with us during our life, so you are certainly with us at death. May we grasp your expectations and hopes for us. May we come to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. As we are starting to see a change back to life with less lockdown, Lord, we pray that the plans of the different expressions of church in Nuneaton will be glorifying to you. Help us to courageously put down the things that aren't your priority anymore, as well as to easily pick up the different aspects of church life that will be fruitful both now and into the future. May your will be done in the churches of this town as it is in heaven. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says this, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church, glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus, Glory down all the generations, glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Lord, we open our lives to you. Please come and work deeply and gently within us all by your Holy Spirit. We know that we often might easily accept our own poor attitudes and choices while pointing our finger at others and expect them to change. Lord. I'm sorry when I've been quick to judge others and slow to be compassionate and understanding. Change my heart, God, from a stubborn heart of stone to a tender and responsive heart of flesh. Father, I desire to change from being self-willed to being God-willed. I don't want to be a nice person, but a godly and holy person. I return to you. Come and change me. I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will and thy rich promises in me fulfil. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. 
Oh, bless me now, my saviour, I come to thee. Lord, let your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. May the Lord bless and protect you. May the Lord's face radiant, radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you his favour and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John, for leading our intercessions. This next song is for us now to sing and pray. It's, it's very much a personal prayer song, I think, um, and just goes into no depth. It's very, very simple, but it's deep because of that, actually. So just just have a, an attitude of, of prayer as you are singing this song.
God, I pray that all that we've heard and sung will be the, the bits that you want us to remember will stick in our hearts this, e this day. Uh, help us not to overcomplicate stuff, but to remember that actually, if you are the centre, then that's good. That's it. And before we close the service, uh, yet another song about actually God being our vision, God being the focus. Um, yeah, and just to lift the mood a bit before we set off into Sunday lunch or going for a walk, looks a bit horrible out there, um, or whatever else you might have planned this day and this next week. And yes, let's take some of these thoughts and words with us, the ones that God's specifically chosen for each one of us to remember. Let's sing, Be Thou My Vision.
thank you God for all that you have spoken to us today Lord I know that you have spoken different things to each of us according to where we're at right now because you know where we're at right now Lord thank you for Nick's word and I pray that you will help us to take that step back to to look at the big picture to see that um, our life is a lead up to our death and how that is in your bigger picture of eternity with you. Thank you that we have that joy set before us as well. And thank you that although we are like the disciples at the moment in that they didn't know what was going to happen to Jesus in this week um, following Palm Sunday, God, we know that you know what's happening in our lives this week and we can trust you and we can look to you and we can believe in you that you can use even little old us for your plans and your purposes in whatever today and tomorrow and the next day brings. God, thank you that we can have that Easter celebration of your life in us and through us every single day. Amen. Amen. Amen.